what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Fun With Dumb. Today, I have a guest I've been wanting on this podcast for a long time. Um, we've ran into a, each other a lot in yeah. the past couple years, I guess. Um, but we really haven't spent this long of a time we're about to right, right. now and really talk yeah, to each other. Some quality time. Some, some quality <laughs> OG, right. you know, uh, time with... Um, Jim Lee here of DC Entertainment, who is currently the chief creative officer. Did I get that right? The CCO. And publisher, yeah. And publisher. publisher. Yeah. But um, it's kind of crazy saying the title, too, because you, you, you're you illustrator, a writer, everything, all of the above, that pretty much wore all the hats of the comic world mm-hmm. to get get you to this position right here. I mean, you're a legend in my book and many uh, thank people's you much, books. And, um, you know... Should be celebrated uh, far more in the Korean community as well. You know, I'm sh- I mean, you are, but I feel no. like not enough. You know, but uh, <laughs> thanks for coming, Jim. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you very much, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, just off the bat, how was your uh, holidays? Uh, it was great, man. Uh, I've got a lot of kids, as you probably know. Uh, so it's rare that they all are, you know, under one roof. Uh, we're lucky if we get them once a year now at this point because the oldest one is like 26. Oh wow! Yeah, so we have like uh, he's close to my age. <laughs> she's close. She oh she yeah, yeah we got her. It goes like twenty six, twenty four, twenty three, twenty two. Oh wow! Uh, twenty uh, six, uh, seventeen, no eighteen. Sorry, eighteen, thirteen. Seven, Wait, how many kids five. do you have? That's nine. Nine kids. Nine yeah, kids. So I have to keep track of all Jim the Lee, yeah. nine <laughs> kids. He yeah, had a whole yeah. squad. Yeah. Like, that's a comic, yeah. like, superhero squad right yeah. there. The chief creative officer publisher, that's the easy part of my life. <laughs> Man, honestly, yeah. I didn't know yeah. that part. And yeah. already I'm, like, yeah. crazy impressed yeah. with your lifestyle. Right. Like, so they all came in for Christmas and the holidays. So it was great seeing everyone and catching up with everyone. And then, you know, it's just... um it's great. Uh, and so when we're, you know, we have three that live with us now. And so that seems really quiet. And that's usually a full that's load it, for most families, I think. That seems wild to, you know, to, you know, be in a mode where you're being creative and, and what you're drawing or writing, you know, and yeah. there's a bunch of kids, you know. I mean, not, I guess there are a lot of them are older now, but I'm yeah. saying just throughout the years. <laughs> sure, sure. Ha- was that hard to kind of balance uh, the kids running no, around? I, or? Well, I usually draw late at night. So that's, oh, that makes it easier when everyone's asleep. Yeah that, yeah, that was a secret and it was easier to do when I was younger. Uh, it is physically harder to just stay up all night or stay up till three or four and then get up, you know, at eight. Uh, and, wow. and feel you know half human. So, um, but yeah, that's what I used to do back in the days. I draw very late at night on weekends, and you know, you get up late, and uh, you know, so you know, they don't really notice that you're on a slightly different staggered time schedule. Right, right. Is there is there like um far as like you know the speed and pace that people work? You know, there's some people are yeah. faster than others. Would you say you're a pretty fast I, illustrator? I, or? Yeah, I like to believe that everyone actually draws pretty fast it's the um it's how committed you are to sitting down and putting the hours in right uh and and actually the all the times i've been very slow or late on deadline it's not because like my i got an injury and i can't draw as fast it's because i'm distracted i get up right right i have the internet here i've got the baseball game here and uh right it's It's, it's not stopping right exactly that's that's what it is yeah And, and so the nice thing about working late at night or used to be late at night there was not a lot to do but now you know with the internet i gotta find out the news what's going on in europe you know like now we're just waking up and and so it's harder and uh but um no, I, you know, I, most professionals, uh, when I watch them draw, they, they all work pretty fast. They know what they're doing. I, yeah. You know, I think the case can be made when you're first starting out, you're learning the, the ropes. Um, you may be more tentative with the line, but I, I work pretty fast and I'm not hesitant to erase and just fix it. It's just the faster way to operate rather than kind of right, move right. slowly and deliberately. Has, has your, any of your kids... Um has any of your kids like uh, t- gone into um, illustrating or any kind of arts? Yeah, so they all draw. Uh, you know, they're all pretty good at art. There's uh, just one daughter, Caitlin, who aspires to be a fine artist. Uh, she's had a couple gallery shows in New York City, but it's abstract expression. It's not mm. superhero art. Right, right. Although she was a big uh, comic book fan as a kid. My other daughters, uh, they were into the manga. You know, they were into Tokyo right. Pop when that was right. real big here. Uh, you know, in their early teens, they got into cosplay. Still, some of them do. Oh that. wow! Is yeah. there is there like one kid who's just like completely not into any of it? Uh, <laughs> or is it? No, you know what? Uh, 
everyone's somewhat yeah, well, yeah, into the culture. Yeah, they're, look, I mean, comic books have become such a big That's part true. of pop culture. Yeah. So at this point, but very few of them actually read comics, so mm. Western comics. Right, um, right. They kind of dabbled in a little bit when they were reading manga. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've not done a great job of kind of, <laughs> you know, but that's by design, you know. Yeah, my, you don't want to, you know, no, pressure it, them. <laughs> exactly. My parents were like so gung-ho. They were so like focused on me becoming a doctor. I, I yeah. just, I vowed that I would never force them to either want to go, right. to, force them to go to college to do, follow my footsteps. So I, I tell them like, be what you want to be into. I'm cool with it. Right. I, I mean, I read up before our interview, I read up on you and, and you have a very extensive uh, Wikipedia page, yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, a lot of people put some work into it. Yeah. 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 I always trip out on that in general, like, yeah. you know, because I didn't make my own Wikipedia yeah, yeah, page, yeah. too. And there's things about me that I didn't know right, about myself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I did do this, didn't I? <laughs> the weirdest part is when they quote, like, things that you might have said in an interview and like, that's a weird quote to pull. Like, that's not my, right. you know, that's not very profound. It sounds, <laughs> right, you know, right. so... Um, yeah, I don't know how that works, but uh, yeah, it's it's got a lot of information in there. Yeah, no, I, I read up. Um, I mean, let's just go back, kind of like to your upbringing too. Um, I sure. mean, I know you, you were born in Seoul, Korea. Yeah, that's right. And uh, did you, what, what age did you come here? Uh, it's like four and a half. Oh yeah, wow, yeah, okay, yeah. nineteen sixty nine. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's pretty much the age I came here. Okay, so I, I came here when I was three. Okay. But, um, so early on, you're thrown into like um, school. Were you speaking like was your first language Korean? I guess. You'd be yeah, young yeah, yeah. Point. I was. Um, yeah. I. Yeah, I was like the kid people. Yeah, you know, English is my second language. But yeah, my Korean is horrible. It's really just not in good shape. Um, but yeah, I grew up there, or I was born there, um, have a few memories of, right. of Korea. But then we, you know, were the first um, members of our extended family to move to the United States. My right. father was a doctor. He uh, was um, sent to, uh, brought into like Ohio and then later Missouri. Yeah. It was short of doctors in the late 60s, I guess. And so they brought a lot of foreign doctors in. Yeah, and, and you were speaking uh, Korean in the yeah, household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want, yeah, right. speaking Korean in the household, went to school. They they sent me back home the first day because I didn't speak any English. It was not, you know, I was an exotic person. I, there's an article, a newspaper clipping of all the immigrant kids brought together like, oh, you know, like here are these, you know, alien people from other countries, yeah, yeah. you know, at our local school. A newspaper article. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a newspaper. It, it made a headline, you know, right, right, uh, right. Warren, Ohio. And uh, so it was very different. And no one had, you know, ever eaten Korean food before. So I always remember uh, when my parents kind of like brought out the kimchi, like it was like a right. big thing. Like, oh, my God, that's so weird looking and smelly right. and so spicy. Now it's like actually a little bit more normalized. Yeah, yeah. But it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Especially in LA, you yeah, know, exactly. It's on all of your, you know, Mexican food and yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, and then you, after going to school, I mean, I mean, you got in kind of early, so you got Americanized pretty quickly, right? Yeah. So I, I think that a couple things happened. One, I grew up mostly in the Midwest, not a lot of uh, Koreans, although there was a Korean community, but nothing like you know right. K Town here or you know New York. And then I think, you know. I'll be honest, I, I I think I wanted to fit in. I wanted to assimilate. And so I really resisted speaking Korean and embracing mm, that kind of yeah. part of my heritage. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say it. We, I mean, we all have identity issues coming up. Yeah, you know, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, mean, I went through right. it too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone was so, you know, a different way. And I went to a small prep school. It was pretty waspy. And, you know, uh, and my parents, you know, were different and uh so yeah that 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 did you know raise a lot of issues for me and and uh, it was always a struggle for me to kind of figure out where i belonged i always felt a bit of an outsider in general and all things but i think it actually kind of helped um my you know me becoming an artist in that i think you become a, a very keen observer right right when you're the odd person out you want to fit in you look at how everyone else is dressing and standing that's and true behaving you get a good um outside perspective yeah you know right um, because sometimes when you're too inside it's hard to see right the over right the bigger picture right you yeah. don't understand why you're acting the way you are right. or standing the way you mm -hmm. are so I'm, I'm kind of sometimes hyper focused on that so yeah, I, and then what? How early did you get into um, comic books or uh, just drawing? Or I was I was always into it. There was no time where I can remember that there were no superheroes in my right, life. You know, right. so even in Korea, I remember watching uh, this Max Fleischer as a director that did these uh, black and white Superman cartoons. Mm -hmm. I remember watching those, and there was a Korean character called Hangubakchi. What, what, what? I, I don't. If I, I, see I don't him, think he's if, still around. Oh, okay, okay. No, but if I see see yeah, the character, I yeah. might be familiar with I, it. I've kind of Googled it here and there yeah. uh, over the years, but it's a, it was essentially a skeleton with a cape. Oh, okay. And there was a, th a song, a theme song, like which and a right, chewing right, gum right. that I remember. <laughs> and uh, so I was really into those two characters. 
And then when, uh, and I always drew, I had an art teacher, even in Korea, she used to come over and teach me how to draw in pastels. And, and, and Western comic superheroes, like at the time was already booming. It was, it was big. It was yeah. Part yeah. Of yeah. It's very casual, yeah. very, yeah. uh, you know, no specialty stores. So I remember reading comics at the barbershop and, oh, I see. and I didn't speak English. And so, uh, you know, um, comics were a way of taking in stories even if you couldn't read the dialogue balloons, because if the artist did their job properly, you could just look at the panels and figure yeah. out what the story was. And sure enough, they had the same character like Superman that they had in Korea. Like, yeah. wow, America, you know, has come, uh, you know, it's caught up with Korean culture. So <laughs> it was, it was cool to see that that these characters were um, kind of ubiquitous. What was a bunch of kids already like drawing in class and things like that? Yeah, I, sure? I, I I used to draw all the time in class. That was like, uh, so I was kind of like a hyper kid. Didn't yeah. pay attention a lot. Um, and, uh, I would just always be drawing and they'd always be like tearing the paper, you know, uh, you know, out of, out from underneath my pencil, crumpling it up, throwing it away, you know, punishing me for not, you know, paying attention. Uh, and then uh, yeah, I started drawing on the tables themselves. I figured it was like, uh, oh, yeah, they, yeah. they couldn't take that away from me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like tattooing. Fight the, fight the power. Yeah. yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, and this, this just like you kept drawing all the way to college? Yeah, so I drew uh, all throughout high school, but I never thought about it as a career, just something kind of fun to do. And I always noticed that I was uh, a little better than most kids in my class. Mm -hmm. And then in college, I was a psychology major, uh, pre-med, so I was taking all yeah, my pre-med yeah. classes. Yeah, And, and uh, so your senior year, you have to write a thesis to graduate. And so a lot of students basically set aside easy classes mm -hmm. gut classes to kind of lighten their workload so they can focus on writing their their thesis and right. so i saved music 101 and art studio classes and i just loaded up on those and um you know the, the art class ended up being kind of the most enjoyable class i took in the four years i was at school it was actually taught by an abstract expressionist artist who would commute down from new york city yeah and, and she used to be an assistant to Frank Stella, big artist from that that the heyday of the '60s, and um, she really kind of inspired me to think about art as a career. And mm. I didn't feel like not as knowledgeable in art history to enter into art, you know, um, modern art. But I did know a lot about comics, and I had thought about being a you know, becoming a comic book artist when I was like 12, you know, nine, right. when I was nine years old, 12 years old, probably every three years. Um, but I really started seriously thinking about it at that point. Right. And, Cause it's hard yeah. to get just anybody around you serious, um, about when you tell them that, right. As yeah. a child, yeah. you're like, yeah. I want to be a comic book artist. Right. Like, Oh, it's like every other kid right. or, who loves yeah, drawing yeah, a musician. Books. Exactly. You know, yeah. Or, any of uh, that, right. A pro athlete there. Right. And back then there was no there was no path. There was no book that explained how you do this. There was no college classes like right. there are now. There were no schools dedicated to teaching comic book art. And so it was a struggle just figuring out how to even go about it. I, you know, I had no idea what they got paid. Like, how does it work? So, uh, so yeah. what was the first step? I mean, so you got your psychology degree. Yeah. And were you ready to go into that, like use that oh, yeah. into in a different field? Or uh, no, so I I majored in psychology rather than a hard science because I even when I had to declare, I knew that maybe medical school was not what I really wanted to do. And yeah. So if I went to psychology, I can go into advertising. I could go right. into psychology yeah. and help people. Right. There are things I could do that less uh, that were less technical than like if I majored in chemistry, right? So. Uh, I moved back home in with my parents and I convinced them to basically give me a year where I could focus on trying to get into comics. Yeah, and, like and, give yeah. me a year to figure my yeah, shit yeah. out. If so, I fuck up, right, then right, I'm yeah. going to go back. But I, I took my MCATs, you know, I got all my recommendations. Um, so I had everything ready to apply right. to medical school. I just, uh, and, you know, I paid like a $20, $25 fee at the university to, to have them hold all those records. And then I had that ticking clock, like, okay, well, I can, now I've got to get my, my act together. Mm. And, and so part one was getting the information. I was not this um, analytical, but I'm just for the purposes of telling the story, part one was like figuring out how, you know, gathering information. So right. I went to a local comic book shop in St. Louis where I was living mm -hmm. and uh, just started talking to people and found people that had been doing some small press stuff. And then also in the 25 cent or 10 cent or nickel bins, they had old back issues of comics fanzines. You know, they were mm. written by fans, interviews with professionals. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, so they're like black and white magazines that had interviews. And you start reading all the interviews and you start, 
you can start piecing together how other people got in the business. Right. Um, there was a lawsuit against a, a pretty famous artist at the time. And in that lawsuit, they had the transcript. And if you read it, that talked about how much he made. So mm, through weird you know, sources, I was able to cobble together. All right, this is how it works. Like, editors are the ones that give you the job. And the names is, too, right? The yeah, reoccurring yeah, names right, you right, saw. Exactly. Yeah. So I knew the artists mostly started learning the names of the editors and the people that work behind the scenes that put the projects together and the role of an editor and, and uh, the, where these companies were even located. So those, uh, and then once I had that information, I started, you know, I was drawing at the same time. And then I just put together packets of my work, a portfolio, and yeah. I started mailing out packets. And like, this is all from Ohio, you said? No, from St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, yeah, St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I literally put a drawing table right next to my bed in my childhood bedroom. I would yeah. roll out of bed, not even change, just sit in the chair, just start drawing. Yeah, within draw. that year. Yeah, then... uh, one, uh, so uh, I started probably like in July of 86. Um, and then I went to a convention in December. Someone told me like mailing in packages makes no sense. Um, you got to go see the editors in purpose, uh, in person. So I went to a convention. In so New you York. didn't get much luck through the uh, mailing process. No, I got, I got rejection letters. Oh yeah. Oh, which, yeah. Which were helpful. And so I, they did look at it and yeah, but it just yeah. wasn't, there was yeah. nothing that, that yeah. got picked up or anything. Yeah. I sent out like 40 packages, like right. $90, which back then was like a thousand dollars today. Right? <laughs> right, right, right. I mailed out all these packages and then I was just like waiting and waiting and waiting and uh, and then I got, you know, rejection letters. Oh, wow. Um, but the rejection letters that weren't form letters would often cite like, oh, you need to work on your perspective. Oh, that's or, good. You, you got good yeah, feedback. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, resubmit when you learn how to draw hands, you know. Right. Um, which a lot wow, of... Wow, they get really specific yeah, like yeah, that, huh? Yeah, yeah, And I've posted these on Instagram, and, and it's interesting to see generationally how people react to the comments because they thought, like, yeah. wow, they really just killed you. Like, they really, you know, burned you. Like, the you know, really negative <laughs> feedback. I said, no, I'm glad they were straightforward exactly. and gave it to me. They, they didn't just give me platitudes or just say, like, oh, it's fine. You know, they gave me specific things. I can, okay, if I can fix these hands, I can get a job. You know, yeah, if I, could I fix would the, feel good. I'd be like, you mean yeah. it's just the hands that yeah, I messed yeah, up yeah. on? Or what? <laughs> no, no, those are less of things. Right? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, there was like three or four it's things. Like, by the way, your right. nose sucks too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a it's lot like, of things. There was a lot of things yeah. wrong with it. Not really great stuff. Um, but, but that's then, helpful. Yeah. yeah but it mm -hmm. gave a, now I had contact. Now I felt like, okay, now I, I, I can see how this gets done. I have to fix these things and they'll give me work. So I started, you know, I was just mailing out packages, uh, probably once a month at that point. Uh, and then, but that still wasn't going anywhere. And someone, uh, who was already working at DC comics, Rick Burkett said, no, you got to really meet these people in person. Mm. You know, they get thousands right. of, you know, submissions in the mail. So I opened up a comic book, uh, saw an ad for a Comic-Con in New York City. It's the biggest con of the year. When is when yeah. was the first Comic-Con in New York? Do you know? Was oh, like no, it, 70s. I oh, think. really? Yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. This is uh, 86. Uh, biggest con of the year was just hype for that. It was the biggest con of the year for that organizer in that hotel that month, that week. <laughs> you know, yeah. it wasn't a big convention, uh, but I didn't know that. So <laughs> I, uh, I flew out to New York. Uh, a bunch of my roommates were working on Wall Street, so I just crashed in their closet, essentially. Went to the convention. I met an editor at Marvel. He liked my work, and um, you know, he gave me my first assignment. He gave me a tryout story. So, oh, wow! Yeah, it all started from that that convention. So, you know, and then how how does it work? Were you still living in St. Louis at the time? Yeah, yeah. So you you were working on that your assignment in St. Louis, like yeah. So I went back with the assignment. Oh wow! It was like a seven page thing. Yeah, had like a you know ten days to finish it. I did that on time. Then they gave me a fill-in issue of Alpha Flight, uh, these Canadian superheroes. And, you know, they might have given me like a, mo a month. But at that point, I don't know if I've... To make that deadline required a lot more intensity and a lot more time commitment. And, you know, it was a physically grueling thing. Like I pinched a, sh a nerve in my shoulder blade and that really ached. And I had to get like a harness to pull my shoulders back. Mm. My knuckles were like on fire. I had to like soak them under hot water, to, cold to, water. To, to make of, these deadlines. Yeah, like, just wow. to make because, uh, you know, it is. It's intense. Yeah. If you sit down and you do, if, even if you just, just, you know, just make scribbles for eight hours a day. Right. You're going to feel it in your joints and in your back. Is, so th is, at this point, is it all freelance? It would, was that yeah, what yeah, that is? Yeah, so That's it's all freelance. freelance right? And yeah. so you can live anywhere. And it was all FedEx and phone calls and stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, I had my sights set on California. Uh, you know, I had a lot of relatives at that point mm -hmm. who now lived in L.A. We'd go visit them every summer. Um, but I ended up moving to Berkeley. I had a 
college uh, friend who graduated, who was in, going to grad school at Berkeley, mm-hmm. went to visit him and just loved the city and the vibe. Right. And so after I got regular work from Marvel, actually after a couple issues, um, I moved out to Berkeley, uh, out of my house. And you just kept kept working uh, out of Berkeley. Yeah, well. I found a, I you know I found a home. Uh, actually, uh, so my editor at Marvel, who worked with a lot of new talent, had brought in a guy named Mike Mignola, who's creator of Hellboy, who was living in Oakland at the time, and he called up Mike and said, "Hey, uh, this guy's new. He's 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 up and coming. Can you?" You know, let him crash at your place while he found an apartment. So, yeah. Mike Mignola was super. Like, never knew, had never met the guy. Didn't know him at all. He put me up on a sofa for like three days till I found a rental, and they had like a little cottage in the back, and I converted that into an art studio, shared living. You know, like the four of us lived there in Berkeley, and I did that for a couple of years. Oh wow! So yeah. it was just coming up together that whole grind. Uh, yeah. Well, no, the, the people that lived there were doing other things. There, one yeah, was yeah. in uh, getting a master's in social work. Another worked at the university. They, they just, I think they saw me as this kind of peculiar person that was drawing weird things. You know, I mean, there were no superhero movies at the time, right? right? So it was mm-hmm. all just about publishing. Um, but one of the owners of the house was really interested in art. Um, but had kind of given it up, but he had set up this cottage in the back with a drafting table and everything, so it was really easy for me to just go in. He'd let me use it, and I kind of operated out of that home for a couple of years. And when was your first, like, interaction with, like, a Stan Lee, right? Because you were doing stuff with Marvel, and sure. I'm sure it was for a while before you even had an encounter. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think I uh, met him until uh, Heroes Reborn, which is, like, 94, I think, um, but... You know, when I was working on the X-Men prior to that, 91 uh, or so, he wrote a letter to Tom DeFalco, who was the editor-in-chief at the time, and he was just kind of, you know, talking about how much he liked the work that I'd done. And so Tom... He was observing from yeah, a distance. Yeah, yeah, it was really, yeah. Was, I, you know, I shared the letter on Instagram, and just, it's like, oh, you know, I don't know how these guys do it. Stuff looks better and better with every issue. Wow. Sign, you know, Excelsior, Stan. And uh, so Tom had mailed me that letter so i have it framed in my right, office right, at home sure. so yeah it's kind of cool sure you but, were stoked when you first got yeah, that, absolutely right? man yeah. this is uh <laughs> you know there are a couple people that really inspired me to get into comics stanley frank miller mm-hmm. you know maybe john Byrne, and uh so yeah so it was really interesting meeting him in person years later uh when we did heroes reborn i'd left uh marvel to go create image came back to do some work on on some characters and then i you know i'd had dinner with him and some other potential business <laughs> opportunities with Stan right. uh, when he was living out here. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, oh, you know, I take that back. So uh, I met him actually the first time was 91, I think. We did a, a series of videos on how to draw hosted by Stan Lee. It was me, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld. Oh, I forgot. Sick. Yeah. So we drove up to LA and they had this whole studio and multiple cameras yeah yeah yeah, exactly and they released all those and i I thought that's vhs these won't be around (laughs) you know no big deal i could do whatever i want whatever embarrassing material will be in here these won't last and now through the power of the internet they're everywhere all the time right right i'm I'm curious to um, ask you because you've seen it transition into this like mega franchise of movies and sure. stuff like when like what 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 was the first comic book movie would you say i think i think it was uh well spider-man i think was the one that really really kind Set of it cha- off a yeah chain, but you know right? there, i take that back batman it was 88 right. i think or 89 mm-hmm. yeah so the tim burton one that was huge that was like a cultural phenomenon i don't know yeah, when yeah. you were born yeah, how yeah. i mean i was born 86 so, but, okay yeah, yeah. so you I mean, don't I remember for it. no I, I watched of course i, <laughs> yeah. I loved the no film. but yeah. at the time man everyone was wearing bat you know symbol oh, really yeah okay. yeah it was really uh that first one what had a huge cultural impact right uh um, everyone was just into Batman. Like it was, um, it was trippy, and it was never as intense in my recollection since that time. So you have the Batman movies, which were big, and then Spider Man with the first right, one that right. Stanley really had. was that a huge deal for somebody like I mean, people in the comic book world to see something like oh that, my god, like, transferred yeah, dude, into dude. and it just <laughs> looked so. It, I mean, it's it looked yeah. very. I guess maybe I mean just the last recollection before that was like this the seventies um, Batman and Robin right uh, uh, Adam well, West yeah, and stuff. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, was that sixties sixty six there was a Spider Man TV show look uh, right this is 
and that's like you yeah. guys are like young at that point. You you've had all these sure, many yeah, years and yeah. decades of no. you know being a fan. Right. <laughs> so. This is literally the story of like how I walked to school through three miles of snow every day, you know, type story. Back then there was nothing, man. It was right. just like this desert, and so anything that happened was like, oh my god. Dolph Lundgren is going to be the Punisher. This is right, you know, like right, this right. low budget movie. Yeah, this is going to be amazing. Like everyone, like the Punisher is going to be the next big thing. Everyone work on the Punisher, and it was just nothing like it is today. So there right. was like a real hunger and scarcity of of that kind. What, kind what of was there a disappointment in one of those movies? Like you know, like people now are like, oh, I I don't like how they did this movie. What was your first like? Would you say like when you were growing up? Was there some version of a comic book? You know. Um, uh, no, you imagine you that were, you didn't uh, like, was, you like, like you have to understand we were starving so anything that was created and kind of right, thrown to us we're like cool, yeah, right? we're just consuming like ravenous you know hyenas you know <laughs> just because there was nothing uh you know even as a kid growing up um i would watch any cartoon with any character anything superhero related i remember watching the avengers tv show which was about spies because i thought oh it's the name of the comic book and you know i'll watch it anyway you know um uh, what we had were science. Yeah, I don't even know that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 there were science fiction movies of giant insects, ants, and spiders attacking cities. That's what right. I grew up on because they didn't have, you know, Aquaman. They didn't have, you know, all these uh, uh, incredible, uh, sin, you know, Jason and the Argonauts. That's kind of what I grew up on. Right. That, that kind of stuff, stop motion technology. But yeah. so when when superheroes movies were starting to get made, like even TV shows, it was just like, oh my god, give me more anything and. You know, the special effects were not, you know, they don't really hold up, but right. but at the time they seemed spectacular. Right, right, right. And, and I was wondering, like, what is, like, a role in a comic book illustrator, storyteller would play when movies are being made off of these characters? Is there is there stuff that, you know, you guys uh, involve yourself in? I yeah. Mean, I was just curious yeah. about that there as was well. M- there was much more of a divide between people that worked on TV and movies mm-hmm. and the people that worked in publishing uh, than there is now. You see more crossover talent, but back then it was like people would leave comics to go work in TV and right. just probably even never mention that they wrote you know, oh, comics, wow. right? It was kind yeah. of an embarrassing thing. Uh, even a lot of the comic book art- artists, uh, you know, the greats, they they worked under pseudonyms. I mean, Stan Lee is Stanley Lieber. Mm-hmm. He, he saved his real name for the great American novel that he planned on writing. He was just kind of moonlighting on like this children's, you know, uh, disposable. He crap. didn't even yeah, think of yeah, it that serious. Yeah. yeah, and all the uh, you know artists, a lot of a lot of them worked under pseudonyms because they were kind of embarrassed to be working in the ghetto of, right, of right. Illust- the illustration world. Um, but yeah, that's changed over the years, and and uh, as um, the fans of comic books have become filmmakers and writers uh, and creators of media today so it's it's just one big kind of spectrum now so is there is there a, like a big con- is there a consulting element when it comes uh, to that or is no, it too different not really no back then they know no. the initial story too right with yeah, the movies what yeah. they're about to take it to yeah i think back then and there still is a little bit of this uh people just kind of like took the idea and did whatever they want you know want with it and and a lot of times it kind of even ignored the source material you know at their peril right? i see so um and i think superhero movies started really getting good when the filmmakers had a connection to the source material and decided to actually, you know, honor that. And that that's when the, the movies, in my opinion, started getting better. Uh, not that they were slaves to the source material, but that at least they honored it, the, the tonality, the, right. you know. Because um, there was a period of time where uh, they just really didn't care, you know. It just... Uh, that's the kid stuff. We're going to make something important over here. And that's something different. Right. Right. Have you, have you thought about ever like, um, incorporating, um, I don't, I don't know like when the last time you've gone to like Korea or anything sure. is, but incorporating uh, any kind last of, year. My daughter goes to, uh, Kyunghee university. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You yeah, talked yeah, talk to yeah, me yeah, about this. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so you go out, you went to visit her. That's right. You guys yeah. like, did you guys like stroll around and see what's going <laughs> I on? I was there for two days and then oh, in it was Tokyo really for, short. Yeah. Okay. I was in Seoul for two days. So uh, Tokyo for three days. It was a short trip. We just had to get the kids. Uh, one kid goes to school, a temple, and yeah. university in Tokyo. Um, but I had been there in the '90s. I had a cartoon project that we did, uh, and they animated part of it in Seoul. And I remember going over there for a business trip. Yeah, there's definitely a lot yeah. of. Uh, but that, a lot had changed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of amazing illustrators in like Korea. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. I mean, I, I see. 
I can like I, I look at like movies. I mean, um, comic books or or animated uh, TV shows and stuff. And at the end, I'll just see all the Korean. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Last yeah. name, yeah. the all, names, all the superhero movies. Right? There's like yeah. scores of uh, you know CGI artists. Um, and then um, you know uh, Kim Jong Ji is another Korean artist. That's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. He's yeah, and uh, he's created this career he doesn't speak english he travels like it's His really sketching is yeah, just it's crazy amazing and he's got a school over there so there's a lot of great talent over there a lot of terrific talent yeah it's, it's crazy because you've definitely you've like you're like the og of this like western style and stuff have you have you thought about like dabbling into this like eastern kind of manga style of things yeah. as well? or i've done a little bit just for fun like yeah. I, I i stream on twitch you know maybe like once or twice a month yeah and uh um, what that's allowed me to do is draw things I w normally wouldn't have drawn mm. uh, in my career because uh, I'm exclusive to DC. But right. uh, yeah, I drew Goku and that. that, that those are really interesting drawing uh, characters from a lot of uh, anime uh, or non-Western comics content because it, it has a different approach. And so the big question as an artist is how faithful am I going to be to the way they draw it I need to incorporate a little of what I do, my style, to make it mine at mm -hmm. the same time. And so it's like, how, where do you put that slider? How much of it's yours versus what they do? And and not only in terms of your own personal styles, but also the cultural styles. Like, uh, right. you know, you look at manga, the faces tend to be, the heads tend to be larger, mm -hmm. the eyes tend to be a little bigger, you know, the chins kind of come down to a point. Do I lean into that or do I just do a Western kind of face and get the costume down? So there's a lot of things and I get to experiment in front of a live audience via chat. And, yeah. Uh, so I find that to be a pretty fun and interesting thing to do. Very kind of low pressure. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that has uh, really kind of wakened or <laughs> at least I see these pockets are actually large pockets of, of fandom that uh, don't read Western comics that that now will come in and look at what I've done with Goku and give commentary. And so it's been really interesting kind of broadening my, my, um, my tastes and horizons. Right. Now I, I'm, I'm curious too, like as the, as your title job title, like chief creative officer, yeah. like, cause that's like a pretty executive position, right? Like it, it is an executive. Yeah. Position, I mean, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not kind of, but it's like, that's the yeah, executive. Yeah, 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 yeah no, clearly. Yeah, but, yeah. um, I mean, I, but you're still, you're still illustrating. You're still, um, writing yeah probably less, less? Okay. Uh, I, i've never written too much i mean i plotted a lot of stories and created a lot of characters right. writing is uh it's hard it's hard right. for it's me it's a whole other yeah. yeah and um what i found is that if you write and draw your own comics you will write for a period of time you draw the story you just wrote then you have to um you know i usually oversee kind of the production and coloring and mm -hmm. then you got to start the writing of the next issue right away. In fact, right. at that same time that you're doing those kind of post art uh, production notes. And so you're constantly working and it's just a grind. At least with art, I can draw for three weeks, have a week off, kind of refresh my, you know, get my energy back up and then get back into it. How many people are in like a department for an issue? I mean, um, for a comic series, comic book series? Uh Oh, um, how many creators? Creators. Uh, you know, typically you have the writer, uh, penciler, anchor, colorist, letterer, editor. So everyone's doing editor. one role. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes you have a guy like Frank Miller who writes and draws his own content. Right, right. right. So, yeah, you're working with a small group of six or seven people. Okay, yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow. I actually so, thought it was even more than that. <laughs> well, like, well, we have, we publish like 50, 60 books a month. Right, so, so it's six, seven per. Right, and about 500 freelancers all around the world. So it's... um. Yeah, it's there's a lot going on. That's that's interesting. Five hundred freelancers all around yeah, the world, and yeah. you gotta kind of scout these right. freelancers, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's what I do in the day. You know, you were one job. of the people who submitted that back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so part of it is working with the people that are established professionals, and the other one is finding new talent. That's right. Two separate skills, right? And then, uh, um, uh, and then. Because they added the chief creative officer stuff, which just means I'm, I'm the liaison between DC and Warner Brothers, uh, theatrical, TV, games, consumer products for all the stuff that's DC related. Uh, they they asked me to draw less, so I have more time to focus on that. So I, I'm drawing covers and short stories here and there. Like I'm working with Kevin Smith on a short eight-page story I for Detective 1000. So little things like that. The days of doing a monthly book I, I I think those are you know that's that's what right. young people do. I don't think I could do that anymore. I think physically and with the commitments, yeah, with the family and all that kind of stuff. It's just 
you know, the way I work, I, I've just never been able to draw during the day. So, I mean, I, I, now in your position, are you making uh, more decisions on the side with um, features and, and um, right. more you know, non-comic book side as well? Yeah. So what that entails really yeah, is about, about that working with um, the the various executives within Warner Brothers and then the talent to basically help them realize the best version of whatever they're going to do with the, a property, right? So if they're going to tackle a character, um, you know, most of these characters have been around for 80, 70, you know, 60 to 80 years. And right. they have a tremendous library of content, different interpretations of the characters, True. Uh, different tonalities. You know, right. super, you know, Batman used to be corny in the 60s, got very kind of dark in the late 70s. Um, even more dark in the 80s. So where do you draw your inspiration from? And so we can help point and give the the source material and help educate them and help them, um, you know, learn more about the mythology uh, in a way that, you know, um, they don't necessarily have the resources to. And then it's really just about giving them feedback so that, again, they can execute upon their vision. So it's really about being... A resource and, and <coughs> yeah, no problem. And uh, you know, so I, I think it's it's really cool because you get to see how all this stuff is put together, and it's amazing. Um, but at the same time, it's a little frustrating, you know, as a creative because when you see other people execute upon that, it's exciting, it's it's exhilarating, it's right. inspiring, and it makes you want to create. Even if I can't, I don't know how to direct something, but it makes me want to try. You know, right. um, so. Um, thankfully I still draw and get to create on the side and uh, that kind of helps um, take care of that a little bit but you know it's really interesting to see how much work goes into even producing you know uh, an hour of TV and all the work that goes into not just the producing of the content production of the content but the marketing and the and you know where it goes and how you window it there's a lot of you know really interesting things that is impacting how people take in content, and um, and that's you know that's going to be a big source of uh, conversation this year and next year. Yeah, and DC yeah. has all these rollouts of uh, um, your own um, this exclusive content that you guys are putting right, right. On, right. So the DC Universe uh, streaming service, yeah. which has that's that's wild know, that you guys have a yeah. streaming. Service yeah, we have now. a streaming service, yeah. dude. It has uh, Titans on it. Uh, Doom Patrol launches in mid February. Really interesting, unique, special show. Uh, Young Justice just premiered recently, and then it also has a bunch, yeah, you know, thousands of comic books that people can get for one flat price per month. That I mean, that's that's so crazy. How I feel like as it's gone into video and and you know your own productions and making movies and shows, like it's kind of helped out the print side of things in the comic book world and expanded right. into this whole other world. Sure. And and I feel like it's just kept it going so much longer than it, it anybody could have imagined right because yeah. there's so many yeah. different magazines and stuff that sure. are folding yeah no the print business is super challenged and uh comics is still doing well um but you know the lift we get is not across the board um and it's not to the same degree that you would see across other you know uh, consumer product segments whatever they call them so what we see is that if there's a great movie and there's it was inspired by great source material comics uh, that will sell a lot of copies, mm. but not everything with that character is going to sell. It's just um, a lot of people just don't read in general, uh, right. much less you know comic books. So, um, but what we get out of it is awareness of who these characters are, an ability to kind of you know co-market with these bigger you know production players uh, and and do some fun stuff. Yeah, it's been cool to just even just see. I mean, com comic books uh, you know have always been it's like. Um, included just the sign of the times and the storylines and then you know even seeing the representation expand into sure, the universes yeah, yeah. Um, you know has it also been maybe tougher to slide in little things that have social commentary in, in, t in these times yeah. or uh, I don't think it's it's tough or not tough I think it's something that's just part of the business it's, mm -hmm. it's good for business uh, these are things that that people are looking for um, you look at the success of like Black Panther or even Aquaman where, you know, in the character, he's a lily white, blonde haired guy. And right. Jason Momoa is a very, you know, diverse looking person that, that comes from different heritages, um, has different ethnicities. And the stories about that person, 
uniting, you know, two different worlds and kingdoms. And, and yeah. so the power of that and the message of that. So I think these are all really great things. Uh, and it's a way of um, updating the mythology, right? These characters really are like modern day myths. You know, right. These are like the, the modern day, you know, Greek gods, right? These are the ones that kids like. Um, it is funny you know, when just people are so angry and they're like, what? Spider-Man can't be black. Or yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. dude. No, <laughs> but that's the whole point of you know, creating stories, right. right? Is if we wanted to just freeze the characters the way they were created in the 60s, we would have just reprinted every single issue and you would never have had all the amazing stories that have been produced in the decades since and all the ancillary characters, the Batcaves, uh, Jimmy Olsen, like, you know, and, and much less Miles Morales or, right. you know, Jason Momoa as Aquaman. You have to push this mythology. It's our task as creators to keep them contemporary, and that means taking in what's hap- important in that time period and reflecting that in the content. And so I don't, I don't understand. It's natural why, to me. It's yeah, natural it as a is. creator to do this. And I don't understand it's why not people by an can't. Agenda. Why certain people can't understand that, considering you guys have done so many generations and versions of characters, anyway. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So that, that yeah, that's always right, confusing right. to me that they can't accept that. Like, right. Well, the characters look were created by mostly uh, white, uh, right, right, Jewish. Uh, men in new york city and so the stories reflected that yeah and then as so they're all jewish they're not all just white <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, no, but, but as the characters and the creators moved and as the as the talent right. community is now international we have creators all around the world brazil philippines you know europe um they're gonna they're gonna instill their own creativity what they've you know their life experiences into the work into the stories into the characters and that's what you're seeing and that's better because it it creates a universe that better reflects the world we live in no definitely well i mean what's some of the uh like dc projects you're like really excited about right now right now doom patrol right so that debuts in february is uh you know, very. That's uh, on the streaming platform. Yeah, streaming platform, yeah. Uh, and uh, it is Jeremy Carver, a showrunner f- uh, from uh, Supernatural, is on it, and uh, it, it looked cool. I saw the little trailer. For yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It is a bunch of misfits that that basically um, come together and find you know are able to become heroes, basically leaning on each other, relying on each other, and uh, it's got a lot of dark humor mm. and just. It's quirky. It's uh, unlike any other superhero TV show. So, you know, I, I really love the fact that we're taking, you know, a risk and doing something kind of different with with a property that has been a fan favorite for many, many years based uh, on, on some of the stuff that uh, Grant Morrison did when, mm-hmm. uh, when he wrote that title. And then Shazam uh, is, is right, nice movie the coming next out. One. And again, very... The tone seemed a lot different from a lot of the, the comic book uh, yeah. movies that are coming out yeah. these days, too, yeah. which is yeah. kind of refreshing. Right. So I think the trick, you know, with all these properties is that they, you know, it's not just like they're superheroes and it has to fit a certain tone or f- formula. All the characters have a different story, a different tonality they bring to this pantheon of characters. And Shazam is more lighthearted. It's it's it's, yeah. it's funny. It's um and Zachary Levi is just amazing in the role. Like he looked cool so to much see charisma like that. Where yeah. it was like because everyone was trying to go this like dark route, yeah. you know. And and after a while, it just became kind of a a, l- a little bit forced, and you know, just because everyone responded well to it. Yeah. But you know, it's it's kind of refreshing to see something lighthearted but not corny and still kind of funny. And you sure, know, sure, yeah. I think um. Uh, there's a lot of humor in it, and it basically um, takes the approach. Like, if you were a kid and could become a superhero, what would you do with that power? And they really explore it, and they do it in a lot of really fun ways. And uh, that's all I can say at this point. You yeah, know, well, like, when is that I, coming out? Uh, April. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, early okay. April. Is there, so is there like a bunch of like film projects like from DC that are in the works for this next year? Yeah, well, the ones we've announced. Uh, so Shazam, I think, is April 5th, uh, first week of April. Uh, the Joker is uh, in October next year. Uh, Birds of Prey uh, has been announced. They're shooting that. So, And then Wonder Woman is next June. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, about two films a year and uh, really looking to focus on the individual properties and do right by those characters, right? To, to find what the core essence of those characters are and bring them to life on the big screen. How often are like new superheroes introduced into the, like a universe? Uh, we're creating characters. Like we publish, you know, 60 books a month. Uh, so that's uh, what, 1200 pages of content right. every single month. 
which is what, like 144,000 or more, 1.4 right, right, right. million <laughs> pages a year. It's a ridiculous number. Yeah. There, uh, we try to do a count of how many characters exist in the DC universe. And I think it's, you know, over 30,000 different unique characters running around in the 80 right. years that we've been publishing. So there's always, not to say they're all great, but there's, that's the fun of it. Like I said before, like it's our job as creatives to keep adding to the toy box, keep adding new material so that it reflects again the era we live in. And that means finding new characters, new power sets, new way, new names. Yeah, you know? just curious, how, as that gets introduced, you know, and you create, you try to create a balance in the universe. Yeah. Is that like a, is there like a process you guys like question when somebody brings somebody to the table? Like, how about, like, you know, but this is kind of, Reminds me of this thing oh, and yeah, this, this power, yeah. you know, like how does that work? What's yeah. his weakness? What's his strengths? Yeah, like, we have those those conversations happen be between the uh, creators and the editors. I think the only time we would have that on a more global or higher level is if we're going to launch a new book featuring a new character. But within the context of a regular monthly book, new characters, new villains coming in and out, you need that because uh, you're, just, you're just producing a lot of content. It's a different thing if you launch a separate book because it's a it's a financial investment, and if it doesn't do well, you're going to cancel it, and, and you know you want to maximize kind of your return on the time you spend bringing new kind of babies into the world. Yeah. So that's when you start talking about does this character fill a hole within you know our lineup of of powers that we don't have? Do we not have this type of character in our universe? What do we? What are we missing? What do we need more of? What are the what are the what are the uh, what's the readership wanting right. and trying to react to those and and stay a step ahead of them and not necessarily give them what they want but what they what you think they'll want down the future you know down yeah. the road right I was wondering also like as you were I mean the many years you've been doing this now you know several decades and was there easy to explain to maybe did your parents know about the iconic symbols, like things you're drawing, like say Superman, right? Like people really know the Superman logo or whatnot. And yeah. was it easy for, for you to kind of explain to them like, yo, this is kind of a big deal because maybe they were more familiar with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, no, they were, they, they knew what comic books were and the character, they, right. they threw them away <laughs> several times. So <laughs> I knew, you know, they, they rummaged through my closet and would throw them in the trash when I was in high school. Um, I mean, yeah. like more into as you were actually involved with, you know, DC and the companies right. who were actually putting out these comic books. So if you, you know, were they pretty much like, oh, damn, OK, now you're headed the right direction. You're you're killing it or whatnot. Or did they what did they see it as success, like you were being successful? Oh, my parents? Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, even before, I mean, you know, uh, I would say they were super, ha super happy the first time I got a regular gig. The first job I got, mm -hmm. you, know, my, my, you know, I remember dancing with my mom and doing like a jig, you know, holding <laughs> hands. Just, I don't yeah. know what we were doing. We were like yeah, bouncing yeah. around in the kitchen. She was genuinely happy for me, even though I kind of, that kind of killed the dream of me becoming a, a, you know, a doctor and following my dad's footsteps. Uh, and uh, after that point, once they, once I got one job, it wasn't even a regular gig. They didn't. They didn't bring up you know going to medical school ever again. They they were super oh, supportive. Okay. Yeah. So see that tells you that's so. what's that's what's more important. <laughs> sure, I think sure, these, yeah. to these parents, they think it's you know it's actually the medical field thing. But no, right. it's more about like you being able to sustain yourself. <laughs> yeah. Right? Maybe they're just happy that I was gonna move out of the house and <laughs> get out of the get out of the bedroom. You know. Um, no, but they were super supportive. And then it got to the point where it got kind of creepy. You know, like they. You know, my dad would, you know, come home for like Thanksgiving. My dad would have a pile of comics like, hey, these are, <laughs> these are all the uh, ER nurses. Oh, uh, wow, yeah, that's they, cool. They, yeah. they won't get their books signed, you know. Or we go to like a, a restaurant and they go like, oh, well, this is our son. You know, he's a, he's a comic book artist. He, he draws this and this. And Yeah, yeah. My, you know, my mom you know. stays doing that. We'll just go to like random restaurants and yeah. she's telling the waitress. I'm like, why does, yeah, yeah, know, why yeah, does this waitress yeah, yeah, need yeah, to know yeah. that I'm a rapper? Like, yeah, yeah, why? Exactly. Like, can we just exactly. order? Right. <laughs> and I go to Comic Con and uh, there'd be a line of people, you know, uh, waiting, you know, to get to the table. And my parents would be the first people in line. And oh, wow. Like, like, what are you that's, doing? That's great. I, we, we just had dinner last night. Like. <laughs> Like, you know, like, what do you do? Well, why were you here camped out? And they just go, oh, we just like it. It's more exciting to, you know, do it here. That, you know? That's amazing. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, so, your, and your kids must be proud too, right? I think, uh, I think so. I think so. You know, I think I'm very aware, you know, uh, that kids, you know, like, 
there's always that kind of rift that you could be whatever you could do whatever you as as, as a parent some really really cool job but some kid's going to be embarrassed you know that like, right right because it's my you know my parents I, I i think one thing they've taken away is that because they've come to a lot of panels where i kind of talk about my my career and what got me into this um and as i talk about kind of following your passion right and and doing what you want and how important that was for me, you know, they kind of turn that and use it against me. Like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And like, so it's really hard for me to basically kind of lay down the law and say, I don't think that's a good idea because I basically did exactly what they're, you know, proposing, which is to do something that my parents thought was a horrible idea. You don't want to contradict yourself and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the hardest part as a parent is really how do you parent, but still give your kids the freedom to do this. I feel like that's going to be a tough thing for me too, you know, because I've done tons of interviews too, where I'm preaching a certain thing and just when it's different, it's it's going to be different. It's going to be a different vibe. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, um, so just going out now, I'm just gonna ask you just quick questions. Sure, yeah. Like, what, who, like, who's your favorite superhero of all time? Favorite superhero of all time, uh, boy. Um, I'm gonna go with Batman just because uh, he is a character I've drawn countless times, but each time, like, uh, still like is amazing. Kind of what? What is it about him? Exactly? I think it's the shadows. You know, oh, it's okay. just the. Um, Shadows play a lot in his character in general, right? Right, but it also just makes for a very striking, you know, black and white artwork. Not a lot of characters can support a lot of shadows on him, mm. you know, like Superman. I've done it, but it, the classic version of the character is pretty well lit. But with Batman, the more atmospheric you can make it, the cooler the character looks, right? That's interesting. You know? So it's it's not... Drawing these characters is not necessarily just the physical form itself. It's it's all the shadow. Oh yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Interesting. That, the poses that you get, right? You know? So it's there's uh, iconic poses to each. Certain yeah. Characters, so it's the right? artistic side of bringing that character to life, right? Yeah. Some characters uh, I like, like Spider Man. Very, I hate drawing that character. I don't like doing the webbing. So right. The, so there's, you know, there's the. Um, the content that you may or may not like, but then the act, uh, you know, the act of drawing that character uh, is a physical thing. And so I react differently to that. So Batman is a it's a very rewarding character to draw because the more shadows and more blacks, the more you can strike out the things you draw, the, the more impressive it is. So it, you're working kind of counterintuitively, right? The more lines or the more elements you draw, the cooler it might look. But actually, the less you show, the more powerful the character looks is there like a favorite villain you have i would say the joker right just because the he's such a different silhouette to batman and just the uh you know so that's on the marvel or the dc side right. so uh i would say on the marvel side wolverine and maybe like like the juggernaut i always like the juggernaut <laughs> just yeah, like this yeah. big you know huge shape um you know um but yeah i mean i, I like them all i mean i think the challenge is uh, when you get it, when you hand a, you know a character to me, what can I do to make you love this character more than any other character? That's kind of like my goal right. because every character has a fan that thinks that character is the best. Uh, I've discovered over the years. So as an artist, it's like, okay, what can I do to this character that hasn't been done before that really kind of that brings adds in, your flavor to exactly, it as well, yeah. and also makes it like opens people's eyes, like, wow, I'd never thought that character could be so kick ass, right? So yeah. It's like what a Korean Batman is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He lives in K Town. <laughs> like goes to the karaoke right. at, at night and just takes care of all the villains and the right. bookies and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yo, I think uh, yeah. Thank you so much for coming, Jim. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, this was really informative, just about the world too. Because I, I grew up on comic books too, but yeah, I, sure. I wouldn't say I'm like deep in yeah, deep yeah, in yeah. it. But it was cool to see that, and then it's just interesting to see it just convert into like real real mainstream into like feet tv and film too you know um yeah. i mean I, I what what do you see it, you know where do you see like dc marvel just all of comic book world going into in the next like 10 20 right. years because i feel like we've already been here yeah yeah for a while now right no, people are always talking about well will there be like superhero fatigue will people get mm-hmm. tired of this and honestly as long as movies are good i think people will want to see them you know that's and, true and yeah it's also interesting is that you know, a lot of these characters have kind of moved beyond just characters that we watch on a screen to being things that we have embraced uh, as role models, you know, lifestyles, whatever. You know, right. like they're people that have, you know, tons of Batman art all over their body or, you know, right. things I've drawn. And, and, and uh, you know, fans have shared with me like, oh, you know, I can't wait till my kid gets old enough because I've got these movies I want to share with them and kind of, you know, sh- show them like 
how awesome these characters in this world is. And, and, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's bigger than just the stories that are on the screen at this point, you know, for has, a lot has of people. Anybody, has anybody tattooed your face on, on the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me think about it. Yeah, yeah, uh, my wife excluded, right? Uh, no, so no, no, I'm like, no, wow, no, that is no, a ride or no, die no. woman right yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That would be so horrific. Um, yeah. no, uh, just, just my signature. I've had fans come oh, up, wow, okay, you cool, know, that's and, cool. and they had, a I've tattoo, had that one too, actually. Yeah. A tattoo artists have, have something uh, of mine on, on them and then I'll sign it with a Sharpie and then they run off and they come back the next day and they, they show uh, that's, that's happened a, several times yeah. i mean you've had a lot of your artwork tattooed obviously yeah yeah them. first it was really odd i was actually like don't do it like you will regret it son i know you i'm kind of like that too like yeah, people yeah. ask me yeah, and i'm like yeah. oh i wish you didn't ask me because right. i'm gonna say no you yeah, should just do yeah. it so i used to say no and really kind of dissuade people from it but now like it's it's so per again so it's a big part i of mean having life. your artwork is not the worst thing to get tattooed yeah, on yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, i mean i've always been uh i'm like always like in tune with comics but a lot of other things i'm you know like tattoos Rap music. I remember in '86, uh, Run DMC, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aerosmith, and I was like, "This is never gonna catch on," you know. Like, well, have you have you done anything actually with any? Um, I mean, I know a lot of hip hop artists, yeah. or, you know, um, uh, celebrities, or whatever, have been infused into comic books. Have yeah. you done anything with any hip hop artists? Or? Uh, not, no, not really. You know, I know uh, I've met several that were fans and and had read comics uh, growing up, but. Um, or what's the most interesting, like, real-life yeah. crossover thing that's been mixed into, real like, DC, you know, that maybe you've seen or worked yeah. on? Well, this is a crossover that's gone the other way where I've, like, I've, I'm, like, in a, one of the Lego games. Like, I'm an unlockable oh. character. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's cool. Yeah, so, uh, it, like, you know, I throw pencils, I think. And, yeah, so there's, like... So uh, I could unlock a Jim Lee character yeah, yeah, it's Lego actually game. it's actually Jim Lee, yeah. So, that's amazing. Uh, and so that's been kind of cool. Uh, you know, I, I you know, there's a lot of interesting things that happen. Too, too many, describe, right. but it's the thing where I never thought it would get to this point. When I got into comics, part of it was, um, you know, I was a pretty shy kid, uh, kind of always felt like an outsider. The idea of going to work and having to interact with a lot of other people and be in meetings like seemed right. really kind of stressful to me. And so, like, I like the idea of like, hey, I can just work at home right. and draw, you know, pictures of superheroes, and um, and it, it was such a small niche business it was like a secret group of people that collected no one really knew who iron man was or, right or the penguin i mean they, they they might have known some of the main characters uh but then as it's grown and taken over i mean i feel like sometimes i'm living in a parallel earth where you know all these weird things i thought were always going to be on the fringe have kind of taken over everything and uh so it's really I still am not over it. Like I'll walk down the street and I'll see someone wearing a T-shirt with my art on it, and That's so I want to stop yeah. and and say, "Hey, you know, I drew that." But it, like, you You're know, like ninety nine percent away from me, weirdo. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they have no idea, right? So, um, whereas back in the day when I was growing up, you saw someone wearing a Green Lantern T-shirt, you knew they were a comic book fan, and you could actually go up and start talking to them. Right like now, it's kind of dangerous. Damn, that's a good you know, point, yeah. actually. Just because oh, yeah. you're wearing a shirt doesn't mean necessarily no, like this hardcore no, fan. Absolutely right? not. It was that's like, true. I guess even for me, like yeah. I probably wear shirt like yeah, that doesn't yeah, mean yeah. i'm like a comic book head like right, that right it was on sale at target like <laughs> i'll buy it you know i'll wear it you know so it's different you gotta be careful now you know i so. mean that that's cool that i mean where your position now do you feel like you wouldn't be able to do that position if you didn't wear all these different hats I think, yeah. I, I, you know, honestly, I, I ask myself that a lot. Mm -hmm. I think it's partly I just want to be creatively challenged. You know, um, I think if I just drew comics full time, I would get the itch. And, you know, part of this was because I was entrepreneurial, you know, had that kind of spirit. And I wanted to start my own company, start my own studio. Um, you know, I produced uh, animated cartoon series on CBS and a direct to video. There's, so there's a lot of stuff. I negotiated my early deals when we were part of Image Comics, whether it was a toy deal or a movie deal. I just want to know how to negotiate. I want to know what the terms were. I want to know what right. cross collateralization <laughs> of revenue was, you know. So, right, right. Right. And then I just I did the first couple of deals and then I pass it off to other people because I just wanted to know. And so a lot of it has just been this very curious nature uh, that I've always had, just wanting to know how things are done. And so, um, and I think if I just had the desk job, I would want to flee and just, you know, create. And so having the two really keeps my life in balance and makes everything feel like the, I'm on the side where the grass is greener, right? So if I get kind of bored during the day job, I, I draw a cover at night. If I get just 
you know, pounded by deadlines, I know that I can kind of pull back and, and That's just cool. kind of focus on the day job. I, I think that it's one of the reasons that I also got into the arts and stuff. I mean, as much as yeah. The passion is one thing, but also I do like the flexibility of these sure, kind of yeah, jobs. Yeah, that's you know what I mean? one thing I do miss, right? It's, uh, but, you know, at this point um, with all the kids, uh, it's different when you're younger, and, you know, where you can have, a, you know, a schedule where it's more free form. But at this point, to me, it's like if I'm drawing something, what am I giving up? Like in terms of time with my family or right. time with my kids or something I should be reading, a, you know, a script that I should be reading for a TV show or whatever. So everything, um, it's a finite amount of time, and I just have to kind of find the balance. But that, the, I, I take a creative approach to even finding that balance, and that's what I keeps really it interesting. I really feel like a lazy piece of shit for, <laughs> for you having nine kids and doing that. <laughs> and I'm over here, like, right, right. barely right. can make it on time for yeah. my own podcast. <laughs> like, okay. Hey, Jim, thank you so sure, much. No, Appreciate hey, it. Thank you. thank you. I'm going to visit Pleasure. the D.C. Uh, headquarters. Yeah, yeah. Please uh, you, come you by, man. You invited me Absolutely. in the past. Yeah, My yeah. boy went and he came back with so much shit. Like, yeah, yeah. He had like a like a pile of yeah. stuff. He's like, look at what I got for free. <laughs> I'm like, yo, let me get that and that. He's like, no. I'm like, what the hell? Dude? What are you going to do with like a Batman backpack? Like, right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yo, tune in next week. Fun with Dumb. Jim Lee. Check out Aquaman out in theaters right now. Yee. Yeah.